0: We are on Ksubis Yud Zayn Amabe 17B1 in the top of the first column of the Arts Scroll Gemara. The Gemara now uh, will have a few short sections on uh, an elaboration of different parts of the Mishnah. So if we return all the way back to the Mishnah uh, that we began with um, for this parak, for this chapter. Uh, so we it was mentioned that um, that we do not believe the wife when she says that uh, she was – when there's uh, this dispute about whether or not this is her – she was a basula, she was a virgin, is this her first marriage or second marriage? However, if there are aiden, if there are witnesses about parts of the marriage which seem to imply or significantly imply – that this is her first marriage because they did certain things. So then we believe the witnesses and she. It, we determine that she was a virgin. Uh, so what were some of those things? So the first thing that I think Mara discusses is the behinuma. She goes out with a hinuma. So then she's a Basula, she's a virgin, and she receives 200 zuz. She receives 200 for her ksuba, for the amount that she receives at the end of the marriage, whether the husband passes away or it ends up in divorce. So what's a hinuma? My hinuma, this is the question of the Gemara. So Surcha Bar Papa the Iri Amar. Surcha Bar Papa says in the name of Z'iri, Tanura Da'asa. It is a round myrtle canopy. It's a, it's a canopy uh, shaped like an oven. Uh, wide at the bottom and narrow at the top, and that would be designated specifically. Uh, this myrtle it has the same idea of myrtle that we had earlier, that jug jug with regards to the person that was juggling, uh, perhaps because it's the uh, same language of Asa and Esther. Rabbi Yochan Amar Krisa Diminamna Ba Khalsa, it's referring to the veil. Uh, and literally, it's the veil in which the bride dozes. She sleeps. Um, she sleeps. It's so thick that uh, she could sleep in it and uh, nobody would notice. Uh, that, that's what's said. So uh, I heard an explanation. What do you mean she sleeps in it? This is her wedding day. She's sleeping. How are you can tell me that she's sleeping under the veil? And so one uh, one interesting explanation is that our mission is describing a case of one of the cases where they get divorced and perhaps... She's so not into it. That's why they got divorced. Uh, she's so not into it. She's not excited about this wedding. She falls asleep at this wedding. It's a sign that she's not interested, and that it's going to end up in divorce. Okay, that's uh, one. It's a cute explanation. Uh, but the really, it's really trying to show that it's a specific type of veil that if it was for the first marriage, so then she would wear this type of veil. The point is, is that these were different customs which are done uh, for when it's her first marriage. Okay, something else that was done. Rabbi Yocham and Broka, Omer. This is going back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that also, if they would give out these sweets to the uh, to the children, um, so then that would signify that it's also a first marriage. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. So this is good with regards to proofs in this is what they would do for the custom for a first marriage in the land of Yehuda. Uh, in Israel, but what, what did they do in Bavel in Babylonia? What were some of the things that they would do for the besula for a virgin for her first marriage? Amarav um, Rav Rav says darduge mm-hmm. They would rub oil on the heads of the rabbis. The women would pour oil onto the heads of the of the rabbis of the rabbinical students. Um, so first of all, uh, they would put oil in the hair. And number one, number two is that this was done by the women onto the uh, heads of the rabbis in some interesting tradition that they would have and this was done so that they would people would remember that this is specifically a marriage a first first time marriage <speaking in Hebrew> what's going on here they need to be shampooed what, what what's going on here that's where says the so, <speaking in Hebrew> so says back to yasma says uh, literally an orphan. Uh, Not that Rapapa was an orphan, but sort of like orphan as if, like, you're left out of this. You you don't know what's going on. At your own wedding, did your mother not do this on the heads of the rabbis? We have these stories. We know about this. This is a common thing where, if it's a if it's a first marriage, first time that she's getting married, so then this was something which is commonly done. The women would rub this uh, oil on, into the the hair of the rabbis. Some interesting custom uh, surrounding that. So that, that's another it's another proof which occurred not necessarily in Israel, but it occurred in in Bavel in Babylonia. Okay, so the Gemara now asks, Well, uh, What would they do to show that uh, she was a bride, that it was a widow, that this is her second marriage? Uh, how, what would they do to show that this is her second marriage? Uh, because we have all these other customs with regards to the first marriage. So what did they do for a second marriage? kisani. So they didn't have this part screen. The point is that uh, in the Mishnah describes how they would have these sweets that were given out for the first marriage, they just didn't have them when it came to a second marriage. They just would not have them present, um, and they were they were careful not to distribute this uh, the sweets, these parched grains, uh, at her uh, at her wedding. Um, so Tosas earlier already points out that we had a discussion about with regards to the wine barrel that was also that was passed around. The different custom that happened was that the like Gemara mentioned uh, earlier that they would pass around a bottle of wine. Uh, And sometimes it was closed Sometimes it was open And the reason why they If it was open So then it signified that She's a virgin If it was closed It signified that it's her second marriage Why did they have to do something? So the Gemara explained They had to do something Even by uh, a second marriage Because uh, otherwise uh, She could claim that this is She was really a virgin They just forgot to do this So why don't we say the same thing here When she forgot uh, Maybe she can also make the same claim That this is really her first marriage They just forgot to give out these sweets so this is the question of Tosos, the classic commentator on the page of the Gemara, and he explains that no, when it comes to barrel of wine, it takes in more effort. It's uh, you have to bring wine and barrel of wine. It's more effort. With regards to these sweets, you can't claim that you just forgot to do it, or not just that you forgot, but it was uh, there was some unusual circumstance uh, against uh, what they wanted. No, but they, this is very easy to do. It requires very little effort, and therefore we are not concerned. We're not concerned when it comes to. Uh, These uh, these sweets They'll have them present In every wedding When it's uh, a virgin But if it's a second marriage So then uh, They won't have them present They'll make sure not to have them present Okay That is the end of the discussion of the Mishnah For the first half of the Mishnah Which describes um, Different cases Of um, Proofs that we have Potential proofs for To prove that there was a certain custom Which took place That this is really uh, A first marriage Where she was a virgin the Mishnah then continued on to the second half of the Mishnah where Rabbi Yeshua says that I agree the, the Mishnah says that uh, Rabbi Yeshua says that I agree that in a case of a Pesha Asar in a case where somebody says that um, they're on the land and they say that um, this, this land really belonged to your father and I bought it from him so that he's believed even though he says that this land belonged to your father and if that's true that we trust him that this land belonged to your fathers and then you have to bring proof that you actually bought it, we say, no, we sure agrees, even though in general he says you need a high level proof to transfer ownership over here since he's the one that's telling us that it belonged to your father so then he's also believed to say that I bought it from him even though he doesn't have any proof he really doesn't have any proof so then he's uh, he's still he'll, uh, he'll still be believed uh, But and then the Gemari says, however if there are witnesses that says that it belonged to Uh, His friend's father. If we have actual witnesses that says that it belongs to his friend's father, so then he's no longer believed. We trust the witnesses. Uh, We believe the witnesses, and in order to take it away, even though he's living on the land right now, in order for him to take it away, he would have to bring. He would have to bring proof. We wouldn't trust them on it, just based on his word alone. So the Gemara asks on this whole case. Why does the Mishnah give a case where he says that I bought it from your father? Why doesn't he give a simple case where he says, I bought it, it's, it was your field? Let the Mishnah say that the case is where he says, it was your field and I bought it from you. Why are we getting the father involved in here? So the Gemara says, The whole reason is because of the end of the Mishnah. So the Gemara says that it's because of the end of the Mishnah. Now this is a very important point, uh, which really relates to a different tractate. So we can't get too involved in this. There's a whole separate uh, chapter in a different tractate in uh, in Baba Basra, the, the chapter of Cheska Sabatim. Per Cheska Sabatim is, uh, is all about this. But basically, uh, there's a big issue here. So what's the case of the Mishnah? I say, I come along and I tell my friend, listen, I'm, I'm living on this land you should know, let's say this was really yours and I bought it from you or this was your father's and I bought it from you, bought it from from him. Well, I'm living on the land right now. So there's a separate issue of, well, even if you have witnesses that come and they say, which is the end of the mission, that they say that this belonged to your friend or to your friend's father, there is potentially a case where if I'm living on the land, it's sufficient proof that it's mine. That it, and this is this applies even in secular law. If I'm on the land for a certain amount of time, nobody says anything. Nobody, pro, the original owners, they don't say anything; they're quiet. So, if I'm on the land for a certain amount of time, that itself is sufficient proof and evidence, or that it's mine and that there's transfer of ownership here. If I'm living on the land, nobody says anything for a certain amount of time. Then that's fine in Jewish law; it's three years. If I'm on the land for three years, it's mine. So, the Gemara wants to know what's this case of the of a, of of the second half of the Mishnah. Where witnesses say that it belongs to the original owner. But if I'm living on the land now, well, if I was there for three years, it's mine. And if I'm not there for, for three years, what's the point of the Mishnah? It's obvious, it's an obvious point. Of course it's not mine. There are witnesses that said that it belonged to the original owner. If I'm there for one year, whatever it is, less than three years, obviously it's not mine. What's the Mishnah coming to teach you? It's coming to teach you a case where it belonged to the Father. It belonged to the Father. And he says the claim that I bought it from your father. How does that change anything? We still have witnesses that say they're belonging to the father. Like more asks, Okay, so now the case of the mission is a case where belonging to the father. Still, witnesses have now told us that it belongs to the father. And now he's living on the land. I i am making the claim that it's mine. I, I bought it from your father. But there are witnesses that said that it belongs to your father. Still, so what's the case of the Mishnah? If I've been living on the land for three years, it becomes mine. You didn't say anything. You didn't protest. It's mine. Your father did, didn't make any, any protest. He didn't say it. It's, it should be mine. If it's less than three years, obviously it's not mine. Obviously I'm not believed. What's the point of the Mishnah? So the, so the G'mon is going to explain, well, no. The point of the Mishnah is for uh, a unique case where even if you have witnesses, uh, even, even if you have witnesses that say that it belonged to the Father. Maybe, maybe there's a reason for us to assume that it does belong to you because you've been living on the land for three years. It's a unique circumstance where even though he was living on the land for three years, maybe it's still not his. Or in fact, it is not his. The point of the mission is to tell you that it's still not his even though he's been living on the land for three years. So he's been living on the land. What's the case where he's living on the land for three years and it's still not his? That's really the point of the mission. That's the Chiddush. That's the, the novelty of the mission is to tell you that if we have witnesses that say it belongs to the Father, he and now I, who was making the claim that I bought it from the Father, say, I've been living here for three years? He's still not believed. What's the case? So the Gemara says as follows, We can have a case when it has to do with the Father. And that's what it's coming back to the original question of why are we getting the Father involved? I should just say, I bought it from you. Why are we mentioning the Father? Because then it, because it gets a little complicated. The case is as follows. Why am I mentioning the father in the Mishnah? To make it into a, a bit of a complicated case. It's a case where I'm living on the land for three years. But for two, the first two years, I'm living on the land when the father is still alive. So the father should have protested. He didn't protest, but it was only for two years. So I need to be on the land for three years in order for it to prove that it's mine. So then he passes away. And now I'm for, there for an extra year. But it belongs to the son. It now belongs to the son. And even if the son got older, let's say he was, uh, let's say the cases where he was a, a minor under the age of 13 for the first two years, even if he's older and he's 13, halachically an adult, uh, for that last year, the point is, is that that's not good enough. It's not good enough for me. That's not a good three years. Because the son doesn't know about the the dealings of his father. He doesn't know that he's supposed to make a mecha. He's supposed to protest it's not good enough. Even though I was there for three years, it's not good enough because the son didn't have the... Didn't, it's, not, it's not the son's fault. He should have known that... He, it's not, he should not have known that he had to make a, make a machah, that he had to protest. Um, and this is Rav Huna's idea. This is really coming from Ravuna. Ravuna says that uh, if the child, uh, if the father passes away during those three years, the original owner of the father passes away, the child is not held accountable for this. We don't have this concept of three years. So the right now asks, well, if that's the point of the Mishnah, why do I need Rav Huna? Rav Huna is a rabbi from the times of the Gemara, much later. That's the point of our Mishnah. Rav Huna Masis and Asal Ashminan. why is Rav Huna teaching us our Mishnah? Just say, this is our Mishnah. So the Gemara gives two answers to this question. Either Rav Huna is telling us, this is the point of the Mishnah. The whole Gemara was trying to figure out, what's the point of the Mishnah? Uh, if there are witnesses that say that belong to the original friend's father, then there's nothing to talk about. No. Ravun is telling you this is the point of the Mishnah, that we're talking about a case here where he was, I was living on the land for two years in the, in the li- during the lifetime of the father, and for one year during the lifetime of the son when, after the father passed away. Alternatively, Rapun is teaching you an added point that even if the child becomes an adult during those three years, it still doesn't work. It still doesn't work for me to live there for three years. That's really the conclusion of the Gemara. That's the final final conclusion of the Gemara. And it says that, the re- so in the end of the day, the reason why the Mishnah mentions a case of where he's, I say, I bought it from your father, is to tell you, the whole point is, is to tell you that you should know that in a case where he's been, there are witnesses that say that it belonged to the father. But I've been living on the land for three years. But there's a during those three years, it switched from belonging to the father to the son because the father passed away. Me living on the land for three years, that wouldn't work. It doesn't count as living on the land for 3 years as proof that it's mine. It doesn't work. Sigmar like now says, well, I can give you other cases. I can give you other cases where I've been living on the land for 3 years but uh, it's uh, it's not really a good it's not a good uh, it's not a good proof that it's that it's mine. Why doesn't the mission discuss those cases? The listener could have The a case where I'm talking about me and my friend and not the father look, I can give you the following case. I've been living on the land for three years. For two of the years, it's in front of the original owner, so he should have made a protest. For one year, he ran away. He ran away. So I've been living on the land for three years, and he ran away for the third year. Okay, he ran away, so the original owner ran away, and he's not near me. So is it sufficient? Is it a sufficient three years or not? Uh, should he have, should the original owner have said anything? He was away for the last year. So the analyzes this. Well, what exactly is going on here? Barach Machel mai. why did the original owner run away? E Barach the If he ran away for his life because people were running after him to, to kill him for whatever reason. So then obviously he's not going to protest. He's not going to go out in public and say, oh, here I am. I'm protesting against, uh against the person who's living in my house it's a, he's afraid of his life he's not gonna go out in public uh, so it's obviously the the three years wouldn't work. <speaking in Hebrew> he can't protest so why is he running away <speaking in Hebrew> maybe he's running away from his because he has certain people who want to collect money from him and so he's running away so you buy so then he should have protested why <speaking in Hebrew> we say the ruling is, that and this is a big discussion, but uh, we don't have time to get into the specifics and, and the reasoning behind this. But even though he's not near him, he still has an obligation to protest. He still has an, He knows that he's there. He has an obligation to protest, even though he's far, far far away. Okay. So if I'm there for three years, two of the years he's in front of me. One year he's he runs away for whatever reason, uh, for because he wants to run, run away from certain people, not because it's a life-threatening situation. So he should still protest from wherever he is. He's in some other country. He should protest because we have a principle that if you protest, the word gets out. You protest in front of uh, two, three people. It's gonna pa- get passed the along. They're gonna tell other people, and they're gonna tell other people. It's gonna get back. It's gonna get back to the person who's, to, who's living in the house. How do I know this? It's not because we have the following Mishnah, and this is gonna be the last point. The proof is from this Mishnah: Shalas archus There are three lands with regards to this. Is all referred to a chazaka. Cheskas Gemoshanim, living in the land for three years. There's three areas. Yehuda, the land of Yehuda, within Eretz Israel, within the land of Israel. Aver, uh, on the uh, Transjordanian part, across the river. And in the north, the Galil. If, you're, if, if, the, if your house is in Yehuda, and the original owner is in Galil, in the north, or the opposite, the house that we're referring to is in the north, and the original owner is in Yehuda, it's, you cannot be there for three years if you have no proof that this is yours. You don't have a document that this is yours. If you're just living on the land for three years. Um, it is not a good chazaka until he's with you in the same in the same province. You have to be in the same province. You either both have to be in the north or both in Yehuda. So asks why. What's going on here? Why? If it's the fact that you know if you're not in the presence of the squatter of the person who's living there so then there's no point in protesting because uh, sorry if it, if it if it is a good protest so then even if you're in two separate provinces it should work I should I should have to protest even if I'm I'm in the north and my house is in Yehuda uh, so law you to tell me that it, it's not a good form of protest and that it's not a good if I don't protest for three years it doesn't prove anything. Because I'm far away, so then, moving on to 17b4, Even if it's in one province, but it's just far further away, I'm not in his presence, so that shouldn't work. And because my protest is meaningless, I don't have to protest, and it's not a good proof for three years, for him living there for three years. So what's the case here? Why are we talking about different provinces? Just say the same province and it's just uh, not in the same place. So Amrabi Barmamal Kasarim Really And this is why we're mentioning this You have an obligation to protest if you're far away and it works The protest would work And if you don't protest It's it's proof that you you uh, that the squatter owns the land If he's there for three years because the other person didn't, the original owner didn't protest So why does our Mishnah give a case of Yehudan Gallo our Mishnah, the Mishnah that says that it doesn't work, is only talking about a case where it's during a time of hostility and people couldn't travel between the north and central Israel. Central and South Israel. They couldn't travel. If they couldn't travel, so then that's the only case where protesting doesn't count. It, there's no point in protesting because there's no conversations going back and forth between the north and central Israel. So why do they say specifically Yehuda and Galahula? Because Yehud and Galil, they were generally during a time, that's a classic case, where there was times of hostility between the north and the south, and you weren't able to travel between the north and the south. The point is, in the end of the day, the reason why the Mishnah, our Mishnah couldn't give a case where for two years you're in his, in the presence of the original owner, and for one year you're living in his house, not in his presence, is because that would still count as a good three years. That would count as a good three years, he still has an obligation to um, protest, even if he's not in his presence. The only exception to that rule is if it's if it's there's no travel at all between the two places. If there's no travel at all between the two places, so then living there for three years wouldn't wouldn't be any proof for anything because there's no reason for him to protest, no reason for the original owner to protest. So in the end of the day, the reason why our Mishnah gives a case of the father, why does he give a case of the father? Because that's really a case where the living there for three years does not work. It doesn't work. Because I'm living in the house uh, of the father for two years and then the third year the father passes away and now belongs to the son, that's not viewed as a full three years because the son had no idea. That's the conclusion of the Gemara. The son had no idea that he was supposed to protest. Uh, he doesn't know the, the, what the, the business dealings of his father and so therefore, um, so therefore he, uh, he doesn't have to protest and it's not a good proof. That the squatter was there for three years because the son didn't know to protest. You can't prove for anything from the fact that he didn't protest that it really belongs to the person who's living there currently. Okay, that's the end of this Kamara. We'll continue. This is uh we only had two recordings for Daf Yudzin, and that's all we'll have. We finished Daf Yud Zain page uh page seventeen, and we'll continue with the next Daf in the next recording.